For so many modern-driven women, life is about being more than one thing. We're multidimensional, and so are our conversations. We carry multiple identities. We can be both mother and artist, both attorney and entrepreneur, both clinician and CEO, both humble and proud. Life for women like us is about both, about all of the above. It's about the and. Our stories are the stories of so many of you. We wanted the freedom and flexibility to live life on our own terms, and we felt the pull to be more present with our families. But we still felt drawn to contribute, to build, and to create. And we wanted to establish financial security for ourselves and our children. For us, that looked like founding software companies, but for you, that may look different. Our mission is to help other smart, conscious women build and grow businesses on the internet. Starting up online can be overwhelming and isolating, but it doesn't need to be. Join us for honest conversations about what it really means to grow an online business that aligns with your values and adds something meaningful to the world. I'm Sandy Connery. And I'm Jenny Barcelos. And you're listening to the And She Spoke podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Marvelous. Marvelous helps you build and grow your own courses, memberships, and live streamed programs. Go from idea to open for business in just minutes. If you're looking for a simple, beautiful, custom branded platform to build and grow your online business, you can learn more at heymarvelous.com. Welcome to the Anne Spoke podcast. Hey, Sandy. <laughs> What's so funny? I'm just laughing at the title of this. I just love it so much. I'm just excited about this. this is a little bit different for us and it's going to be hilarious. So the title meaning 56 lessons we've learned from Dude Bro Marketers, TM, Startup Dude Bros, TM, and Assorted <laughs> Powerful Men, TM. Yeah, that one. That one. And yeah. The Assorted Powerful Men also makes me laugh. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be great. I love it. Yeah. So this episode I think is going to be really fun, but also kind of serious too. There's there's an element of of truth behind all of this, right? That that we want to share. So part of this is like so much of what we do as as female entrepreneurs and as women in business, like we don't we notice that our male counterparts, like regular guys running companies, don't do. Like, for example, talking about money mindset. And we were on a, a podcast about money mindset um with a lovely woman yesterday. We were being interviewed. And just like like that's not a common thing for like startup guys to talk about. And so it just made us think like, what is so like, wh what is so different between us and so mm -hmm. many of the more conventional people who are building companies right now? And like, how can we learn from them? And how can we learn not to be like them? It's also the, the, this like shocking stats of like what women, like how many women businesses are out there and how little money they make. And we see this in our mindset calls on, on our inner circle program all the time about like the thinking and the beliefs that we have been socialized with as we grew up as, as young girls. That's, I believe, really, really what's getting in the way of taking the action. So all that came in a long conversation this morning. And now we have this list of 54, 56, 56 <laughs> lessons. Yeah. At Let's the go. time of recording, I think this is going to be a list that is ever growing. And I'm yeah. just kind of thinking like every time we notice something or we see something interesting on Twitter, we're going to come back to this document and like add to the list. But as of the time of recording, it's 56 lessons. And we use the word okay. lessons loosely here. <laughs> In quotations, lessons. Yeah. Lessons. Okay. So let's start it's with number lesson. one. Let's dive in, Sandy. What is lesson number one? 
I think this is the one that really started the whole conversation for me is that, so lesson number one is confidence over people pleasing. So Mm -hmm. to me, this is when women want something, but they have to do this act, these actions, obviously to, to get the thing, get the business in our context, but they're so worried about angering someone or bothering someone or irritating someone that the worry of, of, of bothering someone overrides what they need to do for their self, for their business and their, for their clients where men just go and do it. They don't, they Typically. don't, they don't have a, don't yeah. have thought about like who's going to be pissed off with this, mm-hmm. right? or like, do I need to do I need to run this by a few people? Am I saying this correctly? Like, is this going to rub somebody the wrong way? No, sending too many emails doesn't exist. That's just not a problem. So I think there's mm-hmm. just this. I have an idea. I'm going to go do everything that it takes without a thought about the judgment or the external uh, judgment from other people. Like, not a thought. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And I just want to like interject here since we're at the beginning that this list of quote unquote lessons is taken from some people we've interacted with personally, some very famous entrepreneurs and um, media figures and powerful guys that we follow or have known and interacted with personally. So this is like a really big compilation of people we're gleaning these lessons from and not from any single person, although certain um, lessons will be attributable to a single individual. <laughs> so yeah, those and also obvious. just the whole dude bro marketing culture, right? Like a yeah. lot of that came from that. Yeah. Okay. And start and dude bro startup culture for sure. Startup culture. Yeah. yeah. Number two. Okay. Number two is if you want something, don't feel ashamed about it. Don't feel ashamed of wanting something, right? So we see this all the time on social um, with guys who have companies like taking pictures of their fast, expensive cars, for example, like that is like such a thing. And I think as women, there's a hesitation to even talk about wanting to spend money, wanting to have something that maybe would be seen as too extravagant, or we maybe would be judged for wanting it or judged for having it. Yeah. Or who does she think she is? She's so ridiculous. She thinks she's so great. And yeah, like I think we've talked about this before about like if you want it, just want it. Like there is Mm -hmm. no shame in wanting a Lamborghini or to start a, I don't know, cryptocurrency company or whatever, like all the things. It's totally Mm -hmm. fine. But we just like, again, that from a female perspective, we just like worry about what people are going to think, like the judgment, like what are they going to think if I stand in front of my Mercedes, which I am going to do. Someday. When you get your Someday. when you get your Mercedes, I, I know you will. Yes. I know you will. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. And I also think that there is this sense that, like, on the flip side, that whenever there is like a disaster or a tragedy, yes. we talked about this yesterday in this other interview that we as women have this like pull or pressure to talk about that, to be like raising money for something, to be donating, to be philanthropic, to be sort of always serving others. And that that's also like the the juxtaposition of that versus like just wanting something because you want it and being happy and excited and proud about it. Right. So there's something there that's um, tricky (laughs) and gender. Yeah. But I think that's the end. Like I can want something and I can feel sympathetic to what's happening in Ukraine and support whatever cause or thing that's going on in the moment. Like both things can be true at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Lesson number three. 
Sandy, what is it? Take take imperfect action. So I think this is best demonstrated early, early, early on in our company, Jenny, when we would see women uh, join Namastream at the time and men join. And the next day, men would have some kind of product up in the shop and like, let's go. And then a, a, a woman would spend months and months about the logo and the colors and the design and would not actually take any action towards the business or in the business until everything was like perfect. And and what we saw was such a great demonstration of it. And men are just like, let's slap this thing up and go. And charge a lot more for it too, right? So <laughs> charge maybe, a lot more for it. Yes. It's definitely a generalization, but it's it's a generalization that we've observed over time. All of it's these real. are generalizations. All of yeah. these have outliers. It's not true for all right. of men and all, yeah. not true for all women. Yeah, totally. But this is just a little poking fun too on our little yeah. no, lessons totally. of 56 lessons. Yeah, okay, the next perfect one. action. Oh. Well, I just wanted to add to this one. Like the only way that you get really good at something is by being imperfect at it at first. And so I also think that this is such a huge barrier for women who um, like sort of fail to launch or fail to get off their business off the ground because they feel like it's not perfect yet or good enough yet. But literally the only way that it becomes good enough is is by doing it poorly or doing it imperfectly at first, right? Yeah. So like I, I, I think that this plays out in a really detrimental way um, for women over time. So I just wanted to say that too. Like it's not just like, oh, this is a good thing. You should do it. It's like if you don't take imperfect action, you actually will not ever get your business off the ground. Yeah. And we sh- maybe should say like it's take imperfect action over and over mm-hmm. and over because it's never per- – like just you just keep changing. You keep learning. You keep yeah. adding. You keep, take away. You just keep going. So it's never never perfect action. I don't think that exists. Yeah. Okay, number four. Demand high standards from yourself and the people around you. So yeah, so this one is, is maybe harder to talk about, but I think that there's this sense, even as leaders, that we want to be people-pleasing and that that's our tendency is to make people happy and to feel like we're caring for people. And sometimes that comes at the expense of like demanding certain level or quality of work mm. or um, either from ourselves or from our colleagues, <laughs> And subordinates. And so I just would say like this to me is something that I've seen, um, you know, like in a lot of the entrepreneurs that I've studied, including some very prominent dude bro entrepreneurs and reading their biographies and their books and their stories, like they kind of come across as big jerks, you know, to their team and to their, to, to their communities and all kinds of people. And I also see like, I, so that's not great. You don't want to be a jerk or you know, a worse word than a jerk. But at the same time, like, I think it's very appropriate when you're trying to create something new in the world and build something of meaning and value and and substance that you have to have a certain level of standard. And and because of that, like, there's going to be attrition and you're going to have to, you know, uh, make hard decisions that impact people. And so I just would say that that's something that I've really noticed attention with. Yeah. So it's like, you might want something done a certain way or have a vision for it, like the end result, but you like don't want to push too hard or demand someone work longer or yeah, over like redo it because they made it. You just like be nice to them because you want them to like you and yes. you've just given up your standards. 
your excellency. Exactly. Yes. And I think that happened a lot early on for me. And mm-hmm. um, it still happens some, from time to time. But I think that that's one of those things, one of those skills that's that's that I've worked to develop over time is to be okay saying like, actually, can, can I give this back to you? And can you go yeah. make these changes, for example? Yeah. Just don't do that to me. Oh yeah. You know, everything you do is perfect, Sandy. Thank you. <laughs> the Thank imperfect you. action rule doesn't apply to you. Yeah. 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 That's right. That's right. Okay. Number five. What do we okay. got? Operate from a place of believing that you are right. This one is Ooh. fascinating to me because we watch these, um, all of our people that we've been watching to gather this list, all the men, and they just operate, like they believe that their thoughts, their beliefs, their ideas are right. And they mm-hmm. just go forward. Where I think what we experience and what we witness with our female clients is that there's, it's the opposite. Like I, I actually don't know what I'm doing and I don't know if this is the right way. And I don't, I, I want to do it this way, but please just someone tell me like, you're always looking for permission. And the guy's just like, I got an idea and I'm going to, and I see it in my, even in my husband, like he would never oh, stop yeah. to, to pause and be like, wonder if there's a different way or someone else. No, it's just like go. Right. And I think that's a huge part of our culture that if you are not a white male, that that's the standard, right? Like if we are female, we needed to sort of act and be like, especially in business, be like a male or act like Elon Musk. Or if we are, you know, a color that we should be like, you know, thinking and acting like white people and, you know, on and on it goes. Right. And so I just like, I'm jealous of this one that I could actually, I mean, I could just choose to, to operate like this, but like, what would we do? Like, what imperfect action would we take if we like operated? Like, that idea is a good one. That idea, like, you're right. If that does, if you don't want to do something that way, you want to do it this way, that you're right to go do it this way. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I just think it's like freeing to think like that. Yeah. I don't know how much of it is like a conscious or, or subconscious decision. I mean, when I'm watching this behavior play out in, in men that I'm following or interacting with, like, it doesn't seem like they're sitting there and thinking like, I'm going to put on my, no, 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 you know, I'm going to put on my that gives me confidence. It's like, it's like, they really believe it ingrained in their being that they know the answers. And, um, and, and so I think that we were social, I like, I'll just speak for myself. I was socialized to have to have evidence and proof. And I was, um, also educated in a way that that was like, <laughs> that was, I'm a, I'm a lawyer and I was, you know, went to graduate school for environmental science. Like I am, I, I believe I have a lot of confidence and I can make a point and prove that point, but with a tremendous amount of research and validation that I have to bring to justify it. And mm-hmm. versus like, some of these guys are like, Hey, I have this idea and here's how it's going to change the world. And here's how it's going to make all this money. And here's why you, you need to pick me or fund me or support me. And um, for me to feel like that, I can, like, I am capable of having a tremendous amount of confidence and ambition, but it comes from my brain, like doing the work and the research and, and gathering the data. And so like idea that you just blindly have confidence is so absurd to me. And mm-hmm. I think this plays into this like humility conversation that we're constantly having, because like, I think by default, 
again, generalizing women bring humility with them to the table, right? Like we come with, we come with this set of assumptions. Like we know, we know certain things, but we also realize there's lots that we don't know. And so we want to be really open-minded for about all of the things that we might not know fully yet. And guys Mm -hmm. just like plow in there. Like Mm -hmm. this is the answer. Yeah. And it's just absurd to me, but also very powerful. Yes. Like I, like I said, I'm kind of jealous of it, but I think also for women, we are used to being quote unquote wrong. Like that's not the way you do it, sweetie. This is the way, this is the way you stand. This is the way you walk. This is the way you act. This is the way you all like, so whatever we like that our own power and our own ideas have for our whole lives been pushed aside. Mm-hmm. And it's this way, and it's typically, you know, the white male way to do things, and and like times a thousand in business, right? Because that's all the examples that we have. So if we do choose to do something different, it feels very wrong because that is not modeled out there in the world. So I think mm-hmm. this is a huge part of socialization that we've just been our intuition and our desires and our way of being and doing has been like, no, 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 that's not how you do it. That's not mm-hmm. no constantly. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So I would say for this one, like this is, so some of these lessons are things that like we recommend trying on, like try on some of this because it will help you and your, it could, it could help you in your business. And some of these are like lessons of things we don't want to do. And I would say this is, this is something that we want a little bit more of, but with a caveat that like blind confidence and power isn't appropriate either. Right. So like finding a balance is what matters. All right. I think we're on number six Six. now. Yeah. So that is don't worry about what people think about you or your work. Oh, that is freeing. That's incredibly freeing. I I actually think this is one we absolutely need to adopt because if you are constantly, it's like the one earlier, like if you can't constantly put value on your work based on other people's opinions, ideas, right? You Mm -hmm. have to have your own love of your work and excitement about your work and your own positive thoughts about your work for it to succeed out in the world. And the moment we like put something out and wait for everyone else to weigh in, it's, it doesn't work. Like you have to love it. Even if it bombs, even if like we could put this podcast out and think that we're so funny and it's so good and we get terrible reviews and nobody listens to it, but we still like it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like we're not like, of course you want in a business, you want people to, um, like your work. However, you still have to go and do it because you love it. Yeah. You have to believe that it's worthy. I, I totally agree. I think we need more of this because the truth is once you reach a certain level of success in business or in any probably any career, you're going to have people that disagree or don't like what you you're creating, right? Like you can look at the, the Amazon reviews for the best selling authors on the planet and you're, they're still going to have negative reviews, right? They may have like 1% negative reviews, but still like you cannot make everyone happy. So by, by default, if you're putting yourself out there, if you're building a business, if you're building products and services to sell or creating creative work that you're putting out publicly, like you're going to have people who aren't happy with it. And so you just, I think you're spot on Sandy that we need to adopt this. And the fact that we're proud of it needs to be enough. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. Um, I had one more point about that. I think, I think here's, here's what it was. I think the only way 
to get people to like your work and buy – again, it's not everybody, but those that need to hear you and, 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 and uh, hire you, they're only going to do that if you love your own work. Does yeah. that make sense? Like you can't like force it. This is what they want. So this is the work I want. You have to like love it and be proud of it mm-hmm. and like enjoy it. And then that will invite them in. That will attract the clients that you want and need. Not everyone's going to like it, but those that really need it will hear you. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, and this is, this is again, a caveat here. You should be solving a problem that's, you should be meeting the needs of someone else if you're building a business solution. Like there's all of those things obviously still need to be in place. But then once you're solving someone's pain points with your solution, you need to, you need to love what you're making and you need to be really proud of it. And otherwise don't put it out there, honestly, like that, it, it is very obvious to the public. If you're putting something out there that you're not proud of, like people can see through that a mile away. We are thinking and feeling beings that can sense that. Right. So obviously if, if you're proud of it, like let it be good enough and let, um, don't let the haters and the trolls bring you down because they're going to darn well try. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Number seven, number Sandy. Number seven, seven. Create ugly things because it doesn't matter. <laughs> so this one I think is like a split. Like I think mm-hmm. creating – like uh, we ha- we see this in our coaching calls all the time where people are asking like should I do A, B, or C? And one of those options is like should I make my website more pretty and more you know easy to navigate and so on. Um and so we're always advising people to to leave the vanity stuff aside and do the work of becoming a thought leader and putting yourself out there and telling everyone what you do, even though it may not be as perfect and beautiful as you want. But on the other hand, I'm going to let you talk about the making things beautiful side. Yeah. I mean, so I think that there's a balance there. I think that like producing ugly things isn't probably a great idea, but again, producing imperfectly beautiful things is okay. So once you have a certain level of taste and style and your creator out there, like you're going to have high standards. And so it's hard to always meet your own standards, especially when they're a moving target. And the more experienced you get at being a creator and having a business, like the more, the higher your standards will go. Right. So you're like, your work is a, is an iterative process. Like you're always going to be refining and making things better, but you've got to recognize when something moves the needle or not. Like that's part of being discerning as a business owner. Mm-hmm. You have to know like, okay, so I only have 20 hours a week to work on my business. And what is the thing that actually is going to bring in money or grow my following or whatever my goals are. And like, you obviously have to prioritize those things. And so it's usually not just like endlessly perfecting or right. beautifying something like hours whether it's critiquing. It's whether it's critiquing your writing or critiquing your design or even like updating something that you sell, you know, like just, you could just spend all of your time fine tuning things that aren't really going to move the needle. So you have to be kind of smart about how you allocate your time. So some of that, I, I love producing beautiful, polished things. Like I am a Virgo and it's pretty probably freaking obvious to my team that I'm a Virgo. And I love beautiful things and I have really, really high standards, but I also like if, if I obsessed over that stuff, like we would never release anything. Right. And there's been so many times that we learn about someone and their success or whatever, and we go to check their website and we're like, oh my God, this is so ugly. And I think 
for me, the point here is like ugly things also work, right? Like it's not yeah. like if it's only – if it's beautiful, then you'll make the money. It's the quality will make the money. It doesn't yeah. – I mean it matters, but it's not like a guarantee. So yeah, that's that's an interesting one. Okay, number eight. Okay. My screen just went to sleep. If you want to read that one, Cindy. Uh, number eight is you don't need permission from anyone. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hope, I hope that's true. So this is something that we've learned from the dude bros, right? Is like you, there, there's, there's nothing stopping you from thinking that you're going to become like a real estate tycoon, right? Or like you're going to own Las Vegas or you're going to like own and manage multiple professional sports leagues. Like you just like that. I mean, that is everything. Yeah. I think that Again, I see this in our coaching calls that people have ideas and they just want someone to tell them, yeah, it's okay. Go do that. You know, like it's mm -hmm. like, cause we just haven't had that. We haven't grown up with that ability to the confidence in our own ideas and thoughts and actions. Like we're, we've been told how to be for our whole lives. So in business, we really get, we don't need permission from anyone to do anything. So yeah, there's like things at work and there's, you know, trends and stuff that might sort of make your growth faster, but you don't also like, you don't have to do that. Like you, you to get it. to decide, you get to decide. Yeah. And, um, I mean, this is like one of the like pivotal elements of the internet and business switching on, on the internet is this idea of like permissionless marketing and, there used to be gatekeepers, right? In order to be a writer, you had to have an agent and a publisher and someone had to choose you. And in order to, you know, be an artist, you had to be chosen. You had to have like a curator select you to get into a gallery. Like all of that stuff has, has gone by the wayside. And I think this idea of like choosing yourself is, is this really, um, we're in this pivotal moment kind of in, in human history, at least in modern human history, where you like, you actually don't need anyone to pick you. You don't need to be selected for admission to an Ivy League school. You don't need to be admitted to the board of something like there's nothing stopping you other than access to an internet connection, which most of the world's population has at this point. Like you have like your own agency and an internet connection and there's nothing stopping you. So there's obviously tips and strategies and tools, but like, that's it, you know, like learn what you want or need to learn and then go for it. And even if you do have a gatekeeper, I've had the gatekeepers. <laughs> like I'm saying this as someone who was picked, who like has worked for multiple Nobel Peace Prize winners, who has like worked for, you know, the vice president of the United States and and went to an Ivy League school and was fully funded to go to law school by their wealthiest family in America at the time. Like all of the things as a young person, I was picked and none of that actually matters now. Like a tremendous amount of privilege and opportunity early on in my life happened because of those things. But like what I'm doing now, none of that has any bearing on our company. Yeah. You're stuck all. with me who was never picked for anything. So <laughs> that's not true. But I like my success is because I chose you, Sandy. And, and like we chose each other and we chose to build this company. Like it's all, no one picked us. True. No one ever no picks one picked us. us. <laughs> Still no one picks Still, us. Still no one picks us. <laughs> We make it all work ourselves. So anyway, you really literally don't need permission. And I would look at it as this like exceptional opportunity for being born in the time that you've been born. 
because you don't need it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Okay. Number nine, Sandy, what's number nine? Focus on money over people. Number one rule. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me what you think about this one. Well, you see it all the time. Like they will do all the marketing tactics are to get the sale and there's no thought to um, how that influences people or team or the world. It's just like the 100% focus is the money, the sale. What's important, the value is placed on the on money. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that that like this is one of those kind of cheeky ones that we put in here, like in the quotes lessons. But I think that there's something about um, being a business owner and and like the main purpose of a business is to make money. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, we've been socialized to not think that that's a worthy or worthwhile goal for people like us. And so I think that there's some lesson there that's like, you are a business owner. You need to focus on making money as a business. Yeah. (laughs) But obviously you shouldn't like pillage and harm people and have all these negative external, like you should be a thoughtful, caring citizen of the world. Right. But also you have a business to make money. Yeah. Yeah. And nothing wrong with making money. Okay. Act first. Number 10 is act first and think later. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's just like, they just, you just like (sighs) go and it's like a combination of some of the ones we've mentioned. It's just like go and do whatever you want and then like suffer the repercussions or whatever you need to deal with later. Instead of like thinking out who will this affect? What will people say? What is the, what are the consequences? It's just like, I'm going to do this thing. And I just like charge forth and do it. Yeah. And I think it's also about acting fast and figuring stuff out later. So we see this, this is one of the startup bro lessons, I feel like, because Mm -hmm. this, this is like this idea of I'm going to go get funding and I'm going to go make this thing and get as many people using it as possible. Those are going to be my quote unquote users. And then I'm going to figure out the business behind it later. Like I'll figure out how to make money later because I'm, I'm like so confident and I'm so strong and I am so um, compelling that investors are just going to give me heaps of money and I'm going to go get lots of people using something. And then we'll figure out the consequences later, how to make money, what it does to people, like all that's in that. We'll just, that's not the point. Like, we're just like, go fast, go hard. And like, that is, that is, it seems like that's an exaggeration, but it actually isn't mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it seems like we're being really unrealistic. And I think for the normal people listening to the podcast who are not at all affiliated with startup culture, they're like, that's not how it is. No, it actually is how it is. So, um, yeah. So I, I think this is one of those like lessons that's kind of disgusting and I don't really agree with this as, um, as a business owner or as a, a human, but I do think this is um, effectively how a lot of people run startups. Yep. Okay. How about we go till go through 12 of these, Sandy? Because these are, yeah. this is really rich. And then we'll just continue the yeah. next podcast with the next 12. Sure. Okay. All right. What is the next one? 11. So you can learn how to do anything. Oh, that's empowering. And we should almost have had like without a certificate. Like you don't need to mm-hmm. be trained and have an MBA or, you know, a master's level training to do the things yeah. on the internet. And it goes to what you were saying now about like permission on the internet. You can do anything, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, I – this one 
I love this one because watching a lot of the men operate, they just go and figure stuff out Mm -hmm. and then they go and do it. Like they don't. And I think a lot of women need to be like qualified or so many hours or experience or certifications or let us find the name before they're willing to like take an action on or even talk about or teach a skill or. Yes. I also personally related to this one for a long time, like the negative side of this. Like I felt like I never had enough credentials or enough um, experience to be worthy or qualified to do anything. And um, and now I think that's a bunch of garbage. But I think that that's ha- sort of how we protect ourselves is by like, to me, it's like a shield. Like I'm going to go get another degree and it's going to yeah. somehow protect me and take care of me in some way. And I think that that's not actually the world we live in anymore. That's not really how it works. I don't know if it ever was, but my experience is that's not how it works. <laughs> so- no, I mean, other than like heart surgery or something, but there's, I think it's just like you th- think you're going to feel differently when you have that credential and you'll be able to go do the thing that you desire. But in fact, that it it doesn't work. Like it doesn't do anything, right? Like you just mm-hmm. think of something else that you should do before you go and take the action in your business. So um, yeah. I, I mean, I still like, I still get, I wake up and think like, should I go get my PhD? Like, I think that probably once a week. It's oh my absurd. God, I don't. See, but I love school, but, but I think like there's no, nothing would come out of that other than my enjoyment of being in school again. Yeah. The the, the act of. Yeah. So, so I will say, I really believe that every single thing you want to learn is freely, like for free available on the internet at this point. And so you can be from anywhere on the planet, again, if you have a fast enough internet connection and have access for free, if you're willing to sift through the garbage to find it, you can have access to anything. Like I looked on Coursera for something the other day, which is like a, you know, um, a big, uh, a site for taking massive online courses from some of the best universities in the world. Right. And I think that most of the classes are free unless you want an actual certificate. And then it's like a small fee. If you want to have your work graded and have some sort of LinkedIn certificate or something. And it's like just astounding to me that you can take like the best courses on any subject in the entire world for free. Like things that like, if you think about generations past, what people would have given to have access to that kind of education. And it's just, and yet we're looking at TikTok all day Mm -hmm. and yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, I don't like, that's a whole other conversation, but like you could learn anything, like your mind could be, um, just like blown by the, beautiful things that you could open it up to for free. And so I I think I just want to say the message to, to our listeners that like, if you have something that you feel unskilled in, or that you feel like you want to become qualified for, like, sure, maybe you need to go learn something, but like, it's available for you to go learn. Like, and, and I believe you're smart enough to do it. That that's the other side of it, but you have to believe that about yourself. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So the last one for this episode is number 12, fake it till you make it. I mean, that's true. (laughs) That is like actually true. So, I mean, this is, this is a startup lesson, but I think it's a lesson probably for, for almost any business, which is that like your first time you're doing something, the first time you're offering a certain offer, a package or teaching a course or running a program or whatever it is, it's the first time you have no 
success stories. You have no testimonials. You have no record of achievement. So you have to believe in it and really, really, truly believe in it and have that kind of confidence in order to ever get to the point where you do have those things. <laughs> it's like at any any start of a new job even, even if it's mm -hmm. not your business. I think it's just like you do just have to fake it till you make it. I think people expect that it's going to feel different, you know, than, than, than it does. And I think there's always this, like, I just have to blindly believe in myself and the work and go and do it. Yeah. And so this, I mean, we talked a little bit about this in our Elizabeth Holmes episode that we put out um, mm. not too long ago, which was this idea, like, this is so normal. This is how you get funded as, as a venture-backed company is that you have to tell this story of success. Like you have to project it. You have to believe yeah. it. You have to tell these, um, the story that's like really probably very unbelievable. <laughs> and like, and I remember when we were in our accelerator, Sandy, and I was behind a glass wall waiting to pitch to investors, like many, many years ago, practice pitching to angel investors all the time. And I would hear our, um, our fellow cohort mates, like pitching behind the glass wall to the same, you know, we'd like kind of all take turns and rotate in. And I would hear the stuff they were saying and be like, they are so full of shit. Like, how can they say those things? We're gonna have to put an explicit warning. But like, I know these guys, like I know what they're building. Like they're so full of shit. How do they say that? But they, they, it was amazing to hear guys like pitching and saying these outlandish things in such a convincing way with like charts and data and projections. And like, I just, felt so incapable of doing that. Like they're making this up. But then I realized that that's actually how the world works is that like, that's how things get funded. You have to make it up. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Yeah, you can't have the evidence for something that doesn't exist yet. Yeah. Isn't that something? Okay. Well, those are just 12 lessons <laughs> of our giant endless list of lessons from the startup bros, dude, bro marketers and other assorted powerful men, TM. Um, so Sandy, what is our joy today? I think it's sitting right behind you. Yeah. Jenny made me do this joy, but I went along with it. Um, it is my new plant right there. For those of you watching on YouTube, um, that is a, a giant, giant alocasia macoriza. Uh, it's so, I think the, the, they're like three, four feet, the leaves by two feet wide. They're massive. And it just came out with a new um, leaf and it was just like, it moved so quickly, you know, it just is so huge and unfurled so quickly. And every day that I walk into the condo, it's the first thing I go to check because it's just the size of it is just joyful to me. It's just amazing to watch. It doesn't look I mean, that big to me, but those are regular size plants. That is not a regular size plant, that leaf. And it's farther away than your other plants. Yeah. And, you know, it really has like a Jurassic Park vibe. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Like you've yes. got like a whole, you could have some like Tyrannosaurus Rex head like poking out of <laughs> the side of the screen there. I just there. have a, a, a Dexasaurus Rex. <laughs> okay. And okay, the hustle. hustle today is our visibility crash course, which is an amazing course that we've built on the back of Visibility Week, which we launched last month or yep. in Last in week. April, mm -hmm. the end of April, actually. And it was our most popular, well-received thing we've ever made. So it's basically our distillation of eight years of internet marketing advice kind of 
into one teeny little bite-sized piece. And um, people have had really remarkable results with it over the last five or six weeks. And so we turned it into a crash course. It's for sale at visibilitycrashcourse.com. And if you want to learn our strategies for how to become a thought leader and expert on the internet, and then how to turn that into like a steady stream of content and social media content as well, we would love to invite you in. Yeah, it's awesome. It's so good. Okay. So to be continued. Yes, to be continued. We will see you next week. Hey, before you go, if you enjoy listening to our podcast and you know that your future involves teaching or coaching online, check out our Inner Circle experience. It's where we take these concepts, women in business, money, online business strategy, mindset, feminism, and help our clients take their expertise and transition it to an online offering. It's a one-year program with high-touch strategy and mindset coaching, online business courses, and the best community on the internet. To apply, head over to theinnercircle.works, fill out our short two-minute application, and if we believe you're a great fit, you'll receive access to a private advanced training on creating a profitable online business and all the program details. Go to theinnercircle.works to learn more.